Browns fans, welcome into another edition of the best podcast available, presented by Cross Country Mortgage. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage campus, Nathan Zagura, Sir Andrew Gribble, filling in for Gibbe while he is on vacation today. And joining us to kick the show off as we get ready for our combine preview edition of the BPA, Browns assistant offensive line coach, Scott Peters. What's going on, guys? Coach, it's great to have you uh, here. Great to be here. I mean, we were talking before we got on the pod, though. You and I have a lot of similarities. Bay Area kids. Yep. 1978 born, and then our past diverged considerably as you go on to be a major Division One college athlete, a professional athlete in the National Football League. But uh, when you think about your journey and you think about you know going back to thinking about going to the Combine, what was kind of going through your mind at that time? Gosh, it's a while ago, but we, you know, it was just, I was fortunate enough to have a good place to train. At that time, I think, uh, you know, most of the guys were just training at their colleges or, you know, with random people or even at like a Gold's Gym. So I was, I was at a place called Athletes Performance, it's Exos now, and they, they had good information for us. So we, we really had the full experience and, and kind of had a good game plan to know what to expect. So I was, I was fortunate in that way. As an offensive lineman, how much stuff did you do during that period of time that you then never had to do again? Oh, 95% of it. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like, it's like, a, it's like an audition, not an audition, like a pageant more so than anything else. You know, you did things that you, you'd never do again. So, <laughs> but they told you, they, you know, we knew that. And so even, even down to the point, they said, hey, make sure you guys go get a suntan so you look healthier. I mean, there's like little things like <laughs> little that. Thought, little thought, little, yeah. Tricks so, of the trade tricks right of there. Tricks the trade, right. So. 6'3", you say you're currently 285, Something you are like a behemoth, chiseled out of stone. You're bigger than, you say. Yes. Tipping over 300 pounds. I was. In fact, at the combine, I was, I was, well, I was not that much bigger. I had to be, I wanted to maintain a lower body fat, so I weighed in at 300 even, and I remember a gallon of water is about eight pounds, so I was really, it was a goal to be 300 pounds at the weigh-in, and I was just at 300 pounds, but I was really like 292 because I, and I mean, I had to wait and, and you know. Talk about Time it your, up. Your back teeth floating. That was me, and then the line waiting to weigh in because I was like, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure I hit that 300 pounds, you know. So, but uh, yeah, that was one other trick of the trade: try to weigh in heavy and run light, you know. What? <laughs> Very smart. And now today, you mentioned, you know, you you got everybody the second they sign with an agent, they're immediately going to a training program right. to get ready to do these combine specific events right that they hope will boost their draft yeah and to try to you know maximize your speed and all your those kinds of things that learn how to run a sprint which is something that i never learned how to do teach you what shoes to wear you know what to eat and when it's it's uh, it's a lot of detail and then when you're now in your position like what's what's a way that a lineman can impress at a a combine outside of the the numbers but what's a way that you can really impress um just the movement kind of watching the movement in the in the individual drills and Mm -hmm. seeing like how they move because Sometimes the measurables don't always mean that the guy's real dynamic as an athlete. So it's just kind of watching the dynamic movements in the, in the individual drills, the, you know, the skill-specific uh, drills is one for sure. How would you change? If you, they said, they came to you and said, Scott, we want you to design exactly what you would want to see from offensive linemen at the combine. Is there, are there any changes to the drills or anything that you would personally want to see that you think would, would be useful in identifying the guys that can actually do this at, at the most elite level? Well, obviously, we're a little selfish and self-centered when we think about we want them to do what we want to do with the Browns, right? So do these, are these guys kind of system fits for us? I mean, there's drills we'd, we'd want to be able to do to kind of see that, to show that yeah. uh, for sure. But I think a lot of the drills, and I was always perplexed when I was, when I was going through it. I'm like, we'll, we'll never do this drill. This is not even a football drill. But it's a football coach teaching it, and and I thought, well, maybe it's because they're trying to teach something random and new to see how guys like kind of respond to new information, which is again kind of another test. Sure. But yeah, there were some things that were done like 
backpedaling, getting up off the ground and running and flipping your hips. I'm like, I've never done this before. Never will. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, you just seeing kind of how guys move, you know. So, um, but, yeah, in terms of, of, like, you know, stuff to kind of assess uh, strength and power, which isn't always indicative of a bench press, right? That doesn't always tell the whole story. But I like to get to feel what a guy feels like if he's got some strength in his hands and things like that. I'd probably want to see that. So you are, and, and for people who are, are just getting to hear you for the first time, you are a master of understanding leverage and understanding, you know, as you've shown me, how you, the position of your thumb can change, how your bones stack, which can change your ability to exert force on something or to absorb force on okay. something. How fun is that for you when you get some of these guys who have probably never even heard of that stuff and you're able to apply it with these great athletes? And in this case, the combine, it would be taking guys who have for sure probably not heard any of this and, and seeing how you're able to apply those things. You know, it's fun to teach guys, and it's fun to watch them, like, use them, use these methods, and then by that time, I can't. I'm like, I'm, you're too dangerous to touch me now. <laughs> you're too strong. <laughs> you're too strong. But, yeah, subtle manipulations of the bio, you know, biomechanics are huge um, to, to operate at optimal integrity of your body so you can kind of really generate the maximum amount of force with the greatest uh, degree of control. And, and i got to tell you, nobody knows how to do this intuitively. I mean, some guys might over time, but, but just to be able to teach those things that, uh, cause usually it was like, Hey man, hit that guy as hard as you can. Nah, it didn't work out. So you better go lift more weights, you know, but there's really more to that obviously with, uh, with mechanics. And so if you can get all the, those, all the stars aligned with, you get the best athletes, the biggest, most powerful guys. Um, and you teach them the right, the, the best mechanics and you're going to have a good result. From your perspective, what are you looking for in like the interview room with these guys? Like, what do you what what makes you excited about a guy, or what makes you a little concerned? You know, order? one thing that makes you excited is just is it if their passion is conveys in those meetings. You know, to to see they love the game. Um, another thing is like just kind of their knowledge, or foundational knowledge, understanding of the game, and and it, it's very you know it varies. It doesn't mean some players don't have exposure to it, um, but can they learn? You know, and, and are they are they intelligent and uh, can they communicate well, and, and do the, does, the, does the passion of the game convey in their, their meeting? How big of a challenge is it for, I'm sure it's different even from when you played, but that now you have so many teams in college that run these spreads. Everybody's looking to the sideline. Everybody's getting their assignments, and they're doing it as opposed to the NFL game where you're making adjustments on the fly based on the looks of the defense, checking out of certain things based on their rotations, the way that they're lined up, the techniques they're playing up in front of you. How does that impact You know how quickly a guy can – get up to speed it's you're right I think it's 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 most players most players coming from college probably came from a system like that where you know it's um <clears throat> it's not as complex obviously as the NFL so um if you had come from a program that was more of a pro style it's it's a, it's a leg up but uh but pretty much everybody's got to learn it's a new game here you know it's a different game it's like uh checkers and chess you know really because you got to see how how quickly you can learn and adapt and not just to the uh, to the the actual schematics, but to the techniques as well, and to the to the you know the talent the talent difference. And, and then working with the the scouts here, what's it been like relationship wise? Getting getting to know how they're evaluating players and, and kind of seeing what letting them know what you guys really want in, in these players. Well, I mean, it's great. It's very open. Um, you know, a lot of communication goes on there because you know everybody. Well, you want to be looking at through the same set of eyes if you can. You know, it's important that everybody's uh, on board with that and. You know, everybody's clear on what we're trying to do. Um, and once you know what you're trying to do, then it's pretty easy to kind of find those people that fit. All right. Let's talk about you and Bill Callahan together yeah. as a group. So you look, you guys come walking down the hall together, very different from a physical appearance standpoint. He's been around for forever. 
a master offensive Soul lineman, master. they call him. And then you come in and provide, you know, you played in the, in the league. You've got kind of these techniques and about, as you talk about, functional power, the integrity of your body. Using phrases I've never heard before, I talk <laughs> to you, but I love it. How has that kind of relationship been and with you guys coming at, you know, same goal, but different ways of helping the players get there? Well, I'm just, I, you know, Bill is the ultimate uh, teacher, mentor, coach, um, and just a great person. So I'm fortunate to have the opportunity to, to work with Bill daily, and it's, it's a blessing. So, I, I mean, I love it, and we have a great relationship. And, uh, man, it's, uh, I don't believe there's a better coach in the, in the game. Uh, than Bill uh, at the at the position, so um, I'm I'm extremely fortunate to be able to learn from him, and I think some of the things that I was exposed to in jujitsu and other you know as a player, um, I can bring some value in that regard. But uh, but uh, no, coach, uh, he he's got it all figured out. Well, and you're getting to work with them, learn from them, and then you got an opportunity at the Shrine Game to go have your own room as an offensive line coach. How yeah. was that experience for that was, you? That was a really good experience for me. Um, you know, being able to do it, I mean, Coach gives me a lot of opportunity here to work with the guys, but but there to be, like, fully in charge and um, was good. It was a really good experience for me and had a lot of fun doing it. What, what do you, in that kind of situation where you're working with a bunch of guys who are trying to, to show their best stuff for scouts, what is your role in kind of setting them up for that success in that, well, in that game? Well, frankly, I didn't know what to expect. We got there, and I'm like, well, who are these guys? You know, I have no idea. I'm like, these are these linemen, but offensive linemen, right? Okay, great. Well, what position do you play? So I, I didn't – there was no depth chart to start. We didn't know where anybody fit. Um, I just asked guys like, "Well, what did you, what did you play, and and what and what, are you open to playing other positions?" Kind of want to know if if guys are open to playing other positions because in the NFL, you know, if you dress seven or eight players uh, an off, on the offensive line, it's not like college where you get all these other guys. You can't special if you're not a starter, you don't specialize in one position. You got to play multiple positions. So that was that was one of the things that we had to kind of sort through finding out who is who plays where. Who, uh, and who's willing to play in different in different spots, which was, you know, there, and there's players that say, no, I'm, I only want to play this position. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I want to help you. And, <laughs> you know, nobody walks in the league as a starter from day one, generally speaking. So, um, you know, it's good to be able to play multiple places. And so, um, you know, from, from that perspective, it was kind of getting to learn the players, learning, you know, their, what they had exposure to doing. And I wanted to make sure, I said, look, I want you guys to all be put in your best face, put your best face forward here. Um, so, so it was good communication from that perspective to see, you know, who, who wanted to do different things, who felt comfortable, and who was willing to try new techniques. And, and actually, a lot of the guys uh, did were really open to that. So it was, it was a fun time and good experience. And um, although it was about maybe three or four days too long in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There is a finite amount of time that a person belongs in Vegas. All right. This is our Combine Preview Edition, so we want to talk a little bit about your Combine experience. You mentioned earlier, though, but before we get to start guessing some numbers on you, you mentioned earlier bench press, not necessarily the greatest measure of somebody's strength, right? What would be if you were to say they should replace the bench press, which they use as a measure of strength at the Combine, what, what exercise would you like to see guys do as a, as a more functional measure of their overall strength? You know, that's a good question. I don't really have a, I don't have a drill in mind or a, t- a tool in mind that you can get a direct measurable. I don't think bench press ever goes away. Um, I think it's because it's one of those things. It's a measurable that you can measure uh, over time. Sure. Hey, how much do you bench? You know, it's like yeah. it's a, now. I mean, you know, there's guys that can bench the world, but they can't move. <laughs> they can't functionally, you know, wipe the rear end because they can't. They're, they're too bound up. You know. So are you are you really effectively a good yeah. player because you can bench a lot? Um, I think it's a combination of things, but um, it does give you some measure of, of strength, I think. But, uh, 
there's all kinds of variables. I mean, I know when I went through the combine process, it was, hey, widen your hands out on the bench. So, you know, you bring your, your hands really wide. I'm like, well, this isn't a functional movement. I, I don't ever want to be in this position. Yeah. Really. And the only time I'm ever doing this is if I'm on my back I don't, and I'm pushing a guy off me. I don't really want to be there. So, you know, it's, is, it a, is it a direct measurable um, that, that correlates to the, to the movements? No. But it does give you some idea of, of a guy's, you know, his, his, his strength and, his, and his, probably his, more his bone structure. So that's okay. You mentioned that. So, and I don't even know if this is something they measure at the combine or not. But I do know this for a fact that Joe Thomas has the some of the densest bones on the planet. Right. And I don't know if that correlated to his ability to be successful. If it had nothing to do with it, I know Evan, our strength guy, huge on bone density. That's one of the things that he loves to talk about. So, how important is that? And how do you find that out about somebody? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, you can, you can definitely look at bone density and all that, but then there's guys that just do it. And you're like, how did this guy play that long? You know, and I think you can, one of the measurables is probably bone density for sure. Yeah. You know, off, off the charts. <laughs> like, is it something I, I had never even heard of bone density as even a thing until maybe three weeks ago from the half and uh, Evan Mark. Well, just like, like the four, what? The, well, the, like the forces that go on the body when you're playing and you're moving big people. And over time, if you have, you know, smaller bones, I'm sure, you know, you don't have the same frame that can yeah. withstand that kind of, you know, withstand that kind of uh, force. force over time. You know, but so I think it, it does factor in. How much, how much adrenaline is going through a player in these kind of environments, especially now with the bench, they have crowds. They're cheering them on. I'm wondering how much adrenaline plays into when you're at the combine. Oh, that's a good question. I, looking back, I just remember I, I knew what I was going to do. Um, I didn't have a crowd. I mean, I had people there, and they count. You're just hoping that the guy counts every rep, you know? Because <laughs> there's nothing worse than – and, I, and I, fortunately, my reps were counted, but I saw a guy, I'm like, oh, man, it's got to be demoralizing when you're, you're tired and you're like – and he stops counting. You're like, what, I didn't get credit for that? So you're thinking. But uh, I think it's, uh, it's probably some uh, – you know, it's like anything. You're competing, um, you know, and, and will you rise to the occasion? I think there's some adrenaline there. But I think the, the, the process itself is such a long and arduous one for the player – because they're there and you're, they're, they're getting medical testing, they're getting interviews, they're getting talked to all the time, they're constantly on. So I don't know that you can have a constant steady flow of adrenaline throughout right. the entire process, yeah. but I think it does show up in, the, in some of the more physical competition aspects. All right, what would you say is a better measure of strength? Your max on the bench or how many times you could do 225? Ooh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure okay. about that. Um, don't know, I, mean, right. I guess, I, guess I, I, don't, I, I would have supposed probably the max. Because in football, right, you're it's, it's a, a play, time. and then you yeah. get a rest, and then it's a play again. Correct. So it's curious that they went with the reps of 225. But so we've had Tommy Togiai obviously did 40 last year, right, which was mm-hmm. the most in the combine. We've had Orson Charles, who uh, one yeah. year did the most as well. It was a tight end that was with the Browns uh, a few years ago. So when you went through this, you're I mean, you're a big dude. What was kind of your mindset? What was your goal there to do in the bench? Did you have a number when you went in and you're like, I want to hit this number? Yeah, I wanted to hit 35. Wanted to hit 35. Yeah. Okay, so my guess in my head for you was around 30, which I think is ambitious, but I feel like you, that's a it's a big number. We've seen some linemen go in there and, like, fall off. What did the guy do and end up being a great pro? Yeah, like 14 or something. Like yeah, that. and he's struggling. But, yeah. but my guess was always was going to be one more than you guessed. For, smart. For it's smart that, to that be that's gonna be my right, strategy. So you said so. 35. I said 30. Where did you land? 36. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> but exceeded your goal. 36. Was that the most that year? Yes. 
Yeah. That year. But Tommy Togiag was did better than me. Come on, that's and, twenty years later. Well, it's we've advanced same, our it's the same, it's the we've advanced technology, technology, training, <laughs> all of that. Come on. Oh uh, yeah. True. So you but, so you're a record holder, Togiag's a record holder, Orson Charles has been a record holder. That's three bench record yeah. guys from the combine that have been through this building in the last decade. That's pretty impressive. There, there's something to be said though about, you know, certain guys that don't have if you look at some guys that might have had small uh, lower score on the bench, sometimes they have like ridiculously long. long the wingspan. Right? Yeah, yeah, wingspan. That's my excuse. In. That's what I say. That's yeah. why I struggle. Wingspan actually. I'm, let me let me actually clarify that. Wingspan doesn't measure necessarily tell you arm length. It tells you that because you you might have a wide torso. Broad, so you yeah. might have shorter arms and a wide torso and a barrel chest. You're only pressing the weight about six inches. You know, mm-hmm. that's like so, Batonia. <laughs> Batonia with that barrel chest. He only has to yeah. probably go like this for a bench. So having long arms is is a factor that in you know that'll, that'll you're it's a detriment. That's them. what I say. It can be a detriment. But that's why guys will say, hey, move your move your hands out wider. But then again, are you getting a a functional reading on because again, like you don't want to have your hands wide and pressing. You don't see guys doing that on the field, right? All right. Well, I feel like we're underselling this. So you go out there, you do thirty six. You do the most at the combine the year that you're there. Like, how pumped were you about that? And what were people saying? Were they like, dude? Like, I was other guys like, oh, I was man. Glad, I was glad it was over to be honest, because I was going, because you know, it's kind of in your mind. You're like, I got to do this bench thing. I'll never do it again. But uh, how did I you was, train to do that? Um, we trained. You know, we trained heavier weights, and then. I recall, like, we'll do, you know, we do 315 for 10 or 15 or 20 and try to do as many as you could. <laughs> and then, really, the, by the time you touch 225, it's, it's light. And then the goal was to hit 20. That's, I remember doing this. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take my first breath until I've hit 20. So I'm going to just bang out 20 reps, okay, with, on the first breath that, you know, I'm holding my breath. And then, you know, you take a breath and then you hit five or 10 or whatever. And then, you know, then you hit three and then you hit two and then it's like, then you hit one, and then maybe you fail. So anyway, you try to, you know, you try to hold your breath to, to, to get it rattle off as many as you can, and then you use your breathing as you go from there. That was how I did it. If our listeners out there are just trying to hit two twenty five once yeah. per se, I mean, what, what is the best piece of advice you give them to increase their bench? You'll get a bench shirt. You seen those things? <laughs> no. <laughs> Competitors wear them. So you basically it's a bench. They call it a bench shirt. Okay. So it takes like two twenty five to even get the the weight to come down to your chest. So they spring up. So Bench press competitors wear them. It's cheating. But, but I think <laughs> we're here for the or, purity. Or, or if you want to go out and, and yeah. learn how to, you know, just keep working it's on it. throwing the weight around. Yeah. Yeah. The way you describe the combine, it's obviously a gauntlet. We've always talked about that. It's just four days of just testing these guys in right. so many different ways. How long is then the weight feel from then till the draft? Because there's still a lot of time and so much stuff to, to go through. It's like point. a – it's it, it is. It's, there's, there's, there's definitely there, – it comes in phases. You know, I remember, you know, you get out of college, you're like, okay, I'm done with my college. Now you transition right into the to the bowl game stuff. If you're – you know, mm-hmm. I played in the senior bowl, and that was its own focus. You know, let's get ready for the senior bowl. Let me go out and correct anything that I need to correct in terms of my performance. Okay, once you get past that phase, that's like its own focus. And then, all right, get ready for the combine. And then you go, oh, I got pro day. You know, that's the mm-hmm. following – that follows the combine. Um, and interviews and things like that. So you got to take it one piece at a time, and uh, because there is more more to be done, obviously before the draft. But all of it, uh, you know, pretty soon it'll be in everyone's rearview mirror. And now it's like, oh, you got to actually go play now. So <laughs> you got to do what you're at, you know you set out to do. So then football is the focus after that. When you left the combine and you were fourth round pick of the Eagles, did you have a feeling the Eagles were into you? Like were you? Like, no, I no, I no idea, no clue. Interesting. I was like, no. So they really didn't. They didn't talk to you at the combine. I, I didn't interview with them or anything. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was random. So you're like, oh, okay, all right, great. So maybe they were keeping. They were trying to keep it under wraps. They were, they were kind of like, don't tell anybody about the Scott Peters guy. <laughs> we got to get him. We yeah, got to get him. It came by. It came as a surprise to me, but 
you know, that can happen, right? I mean, it was a uh, yeah. So I, don't, I didn't have any uh, specific meetings with them, but but uh, but yeah. It, it, what was that moment like when they when you got the call? Um, I, I was it was I was exci- I was very excited. Um, you know, I'm just glad it was over. I'm just like, let's put this to you know, yeah. people or family was in town. I'm like, I just want to. Now it's time to go. They get to go play now, you know, which yeah. was was good. Um, but uh, but the weird part was I did get called in the fourth round previously by. Uh, Carolina. So they said, while well, they were on the clock, they say, congratulations. I'm like, I'm being drafted right now. And then the guy comes on, he goes, uh, no, scratch that. Sorry, man. Move me a mistake and click. I'm like, so that was, <laughs> wow. so then when I got drafted by the Eagles, like maybe 10 picks later, I was like, well, that's a relief. You know? <laughs> Seriously. You're like, I was so, so close. I was so close. That was strange. But uh, yeah, so. That's yeah, the stuff kinda, out of nightmares. That's, it, that, yeah. <laughs> it was it was crazy. You're getting but, drafted. Uh, Psych. Yeah, Sorry about that. Okay. Well, coach, this has been an absolute pleasure. We always enjoy talking to you, learning something new and 36, something for us all to aspire to on the bench press. 36 reps. I mean, I guess, you know, I could make some money if I joined the circus or something. You can throw some weight around. I think you're doing just fine right here with (laughs) with the Cleveland Browns, which some be. You never know. You never know. Coach, appreciate the time. Big thanks to Scott Peters right there in groups. I got to tell you, he's got to be in the running for most interesting person in the world. I mean, his background is fascinating. His stories are fascinating. And he just... A fascinating guy. Yeah, and we didn't really even get into the whole mixed martial arts aspect of, of what he has done in his career. Like, I remember when I sat down with him when he was hired, and I was just going through his background, and it was just totally fascinating. I mean, just a total total career shift for him going into mixed martial arts, and they became one of the best to do it, and now he's applying those teachings at this level. You've seen guys apply that. We've had guys in the past with that background in his position sure. but I think his mix of having done it on the field and still being able to get his hands like on the guys and be out there practice looking like one of the players on the team just makes it a great fit with him and Bill Callian yes guy he was played offensive line in the NFL then he does that and I loved as he's walking out and we're like marveling ooh and eyeing over his brute strength and the things that he did he tells a story about how in high school he throws up 185 40 times at a time when nobody else in a whole all-star competition between California and Texas got over 25 <laughs> and then he's he's not lifting weights anymore and he yeah. still looks like that just doing some push-ups no big deal yeah yeah I'll try push-ups yeah <laughs> yeah right sign yeah. sign us up that was like Herschel Walker when Herschel Walker used to be all jacked all he did was push-ups supposedly like that's a thousand a, lot of, a day yeah, or something that, like that. that that's a lot I, yeah. I think about 10 times what I'm willing to put in <laughs> at least yeah yeah yes indeed all right so this is our combine preview edition of the best podcast available presented by cross-country mortgage so gribs we're going to go through our top five favorite things about the combine or to do with the combine or to eat at the combine whatever the world is our playground right here and what we want so we'll count them down five to one the things that you love about the combine we'll start with your number five Gribs. well to continue the theme of what we fell into there with Scott Peters and and not to make this the BPA stand for bench press available, but overhearing the bench press from our workstation is an amazing thing every year. You you just, you hear the, the, whoever's leading, whoever's doing the official count, you hear the, the fans going nuts over it. And it's just thinking of, and you, the thing is we don't see it, but we hear Hear it. it. So you can tell what's going on and you're trying to visualize what's going on. And I, I enjoy that every year. Just the, the 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 grunts, the the noises, the excitement that happens when it when someone's doing something really special over there. That that's always something that sticks in my head when I go to the combine. My best bench press memory and crowd and all that was DK Metcalf because when he walked through, you're like, dude, look at that guy, and he put up a lot for a yeah. receiver, right? Oh yeah, and people were going bonkers. Yeah, you can tell when someone had a good round. Like yes. you can really tell, and then 
I, I don't know if you can tell on the other side of someone disappointed, but you can definitely when people are extra juiced over there, you can tell when someone did something or special. Or an injury, which we we, we, we have heard that have before, heard. and that's that's not good. No, yeah, that's, not that's, good. That's, that's tough. Not good. All but right. that's the closest we get to the action, really. Because we're not in the we're not in the action. we're not in yeah. the we're not in the bowl for the for the all the other events. So that's that's really when we're there. That's that's the closest that's we're seeing. Oh yeah. Other than unless you want to count like the fans who come in and do their little activities right yeah. in our work area, which is not as exciting as the bench press area. All right, number five for me, lurking Gibbe, which I <laughs> contemplated going much higher on the list, but I didn't want to offend him by that. But so at the combine, we got to do a lot of interviews. I'm not a fan of lurking. Once we get to secure the person, I'm happy to come over. We'll interview. We'll have a great talk. It'll be fun. Gibbe does a lot of lurking. And Gibbe's a big guy. Yeah. He's 6'7", an imposing figure. Doesn't sneak up on you. No, but he will be lurking. Ian Rappaport, love watching him go after Rappaport, who's not as big of a guy as Gibbe, and he just is just towering in the background waiting. Rappaport feels his presence, just continues to look at his phone and ignore him. That's great. Chris Sims, when he's trying to get Chris Sims, and Sims is blowing him off. It's a lot of sometimes it's failed lurking Gibbe is almost the most fun because he really gives it a great lurking effort and then gets nothing for it. And in fact, they sense his lurk because it's, as I said, it's an imposing lurk. So anytime you're around lurking Gibbe, it's a win for all involved. Nice. Yeah, this this falls into a little bit. My number four is just the generic people watching that goes on at the combine because it's it's really hard to explain unless you've been there. Just it's it's one thing where you go to a restaurant and you might it's like a it's an event when you see someone that you've seen on TV. You're texting friends. You're telling everyone about that. But at the combine, because Indianapolis is so condensed and and that's why it makes sense in Indianapolis. It's just a great city like you're. It's like an event in Indianapolis if you go to somewhere and there's no one that you haven't seen on TV before. Like, it's just the concentration of the biggest figures in the NFL mixed with the biggest media members in the NFL is just – it's it's unlike anything you can really experience elsewhere because you, you don't even get to experience that probably in any of the Super Bowl towns unless it's Indianapolis because of the way it's just designed. Like yeah, everything is right there. Everyone's right there because they everyone can walk, and it's right. There's a, a, maybe a smattering of ten to twelve places where hundreds of people are concentrated, and so you're just you 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 just see. Like I said, it's an event when you don't see people who are NFL famous. Yeah, everywhere you look, you be walking on the street and tying into this kind of the people watching just in the fun of the event. You can see. You know, we've seen, I think, Ron Rivera walking down or birding down the street in his leather jacket with Jack Del Rio at the time when he was with the Raiders. And just see, like, NFL coaches birding around. It's just funny. And the people watching, yes, is off the charts. And watching people react to the people watching is also a oh, yeah. pass of mine. Number four for me is going to be, it's it's going to end real specific, but it's going to start broad, which is just the kind of, the going out and running into people that, you know, have worked here and people that you know and people that, you know, have come through the Browns organization, get to see everybody. But then it's also seeing all the members of the media who are there that are half trying to get stories, working all the angles and, and all of that. And then there's one reporter in particular that I get a kick out of every year because he has two things in his repertoire that are just incredible. Number one is that he will tell you he's sitting on a monster story, but he's not going to break it just yet. So he just wants you to know that. Got a monster. Not, not breaking it yet. Can't tell you what it is, but just I've got it. And then he has also an awesome ability like to be like right now we would be talking, you and I, but he's he's looking over every shoulder for somebody better. And it's not just a phenomenon that happens to me, so I don't feel badly about it. It happens to everybody there. And it's just 
it's a remarkable thing, and I enjoy getting that experience. <laughs> it's it's a, a, a very indescribable. It thing. is. It's really special. All right. Number three for you. Uh, I mean, not to go all boring personal fitness thing, but it's a big step week. Big, big on the steps. Big, massive. I, on the I steps. mean, my my watch loves me so much during the week of the combine. Gives you lots of you good are, feedback. You're, you're, it's saying you're doing great. You've hit your goals. It's like, like being by, in the compliment tunnel on succession, yeah, just all the time. It's you're 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 seeing your circle filled by 11 a.m. I mean, it's about 2,000 steps, give or take, to go get a bottle of water sometimes, and <laughs> with the setup. So, I mean, you're putting in those steps. You're walking <laughs> everywhere. I mean, uh, we haven't done Indianapolis now. We're in the two years since where the rideshare situation has definitely gone downhill in just the country in general at this yeah. point. So walking is going to become even, even more. So you're, you're hitting numbers that you don't usually hit in Indianapolis. It's a, it's a big week for steps, physical fitness. You, you get it in. I mean, you, 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 it's a, just it's a, walking it's a productive from the hotel week. into that convention center is a legitimate jaunt. Yeah. Every is everything you, you, you test. I, I will probably hit more steps in my three days in Indy than I will in my, in a week plus of being in the Browns offices those weeks. Oh yeah, no yeah. doubt. I'd like that. I'd like that. I'd like to get that on a board somewhere. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take the indie all day. Number three for me is going to be tacos at Nada. It's just always like a great way to to kick the the combine off, in my opinion. So not much to say there other than I love tacos. I, I don't mind a margarita or a little tequila either, and they've got great tacos. Get the Al Pastor, put a little habanero sauce on it. They have a great habanero sauce. It's de- it's a delightful delightful yeah. thing. Way to start it. All right, number two for you. Two, the, the Italian feast that we always embark on. Uh, at the, this, and you get a little bit, of, uh, you have to go a little bit off the beaten path for it. Is this it. a Laria or what? Irias? Iria, Iria, yeah, I mean, that's you what gotta, it is. Yeah, you got to go a little off the beaten path. Uh, it's not, again, it's not really even that far, but in Indianapolis when you're getting a car, it's far. Oh, because yeah. everyone else is walking everywhere. So, yeah. But it's good, and it's always a good moment for our group we get together you don't get especially now with the last couple years haven't gotten together much for meals or anything like that so this will be something i'm definitely looking forward to we'll see which day it gets put on the schedule all right number two for me is just learning like the worst kept secret of the combine like coming out of the year knowing for sure arizona is going to draft kyler murray knowing that the giants were for sure drafting danny dimes like all the stuff that you kind of pick up from being there, I love that. So I'll put called the worst kept secret. And then piggybacking off of that, I'll tie it in was, you know, the big scuttlebutt one year was how tall Kyler was. And we did our own as, as uh, Bo and I went to, uh, what's the place that, Harry and Izzy's. Yeah. Right next to Elmo's, which will come up again shortly. Number two, though, while we're on the steps, Kyler Murray's coming down while we're going up. And so we get it. We're like, dude, we got to figure out how tall this guy is right now. We're, we're breaking the story. So we made it so... Bo got on the same step as Kyler at the exact same moment. We know Bo's high. We were able to make a quick measurement. No chance the guy's six feet tall was our quick determination. And then on we went. And I thought that was a great comment. That's scientific. only going to yeah. happen at the combine. Where else are you going to have a step, you know, a stair measuring of the number one quarterback prospect? The guy's going number one overall. Yeah. So I, had, I have a number one here, but I'm going to make it a bonus one. I'm adding a new number one, but then I'll give you my ultimate number one when you're done. I like this. This is a very double tiered. Gibbs would yeah. say you're doing something that I would do. Which yeah. Is, so I wanted five. And my my number six. one, and this this gets almost as inside baseball as your thing with your r- reporter that is looking sure, to talk yeah. to someone uh-huh. better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite thing, and it's almost like a hate watching type of thing, but when there's a press conference with a player, and you've got different reporters who have their own different angles with the teams they cover. Sure. Where they totally take over an interview once they find out this player has interviewed with that team. And it just, you see 
the the honing in, you see the disgust on the player's face. He's like, oh, I should have never even agreed to say that I interviewed this team. Five questions about that team that come rapid fire because that guy's found a note or at least an angle. An article, right. And then just the reaction from everyone else around that has realized that they now have two minutes of a press conference that is totally worthless to them. Completely worthless. Yeah. And it's just – and then – or the other scenario where you have people asking, have you interviewed with this team? No. And then that's the opening for someone else to go. Well, have you interviewed with this team? And then it becomes a two-minute session that is also completely worthless during the combine. So you're saying this isn't your ultimate number one, though? It's not. All right. What's your it, ultimate number one? Well, no, I want you I to like go that. first. I so you, you want to have the final word. Fine. My, well, yeah. No, because no, mine, mine's, mine's kind of like a little sad also. But Oh, boy. My ultimate number one is dinner at St. Elmo's. Yeah. Because I love it. I love watching people eat the cocktail sauce. I love watching people around eat the cocktail sauce, especially because you know that there's typically somebody at a table who's never had it, and the other people are, ooh, yeah, excited to see. We almost lost Bo Bishop last time we were there. <laughs> he almost died, and he's eaten there many times, but it was just a particularly hot brand, I guess, on that day. Uh, and then after that, when you go and you end up either at, you know, what is it, Prime 47 or at the JW Marriott Bar, and then you get to get into all the just – the people watching and just the hilariousness that ensues. Yeah. So that's my that's that's number one. So my ultimate number one okay. in the entire combine process. Yeah. Going home. Going home. A great moment because it's a long <laughs> week. By the time that you are ready to go home, you've probably wanted to go home for at least a few hours before you actually do go home. Fair. And yeah. I think it's it's like any it's like any trip. Like usually it's a good vacation if by the end of it you're ready to go home. Yeah. And I think for the combine no one has ever in any, whether it's media or even beyond, has like been like, I need more. Accounts. I need more. Yeah. Like usually by when you when you've hit your allotment, you're, you're ready, ready to, to you're ready to go. No, that's and fair. then you have that. The problem is and then, then you, you get, get really excited. Yeah, but you got the drive. <laughs> but then then you but you're excited. You're ready to go home. Like it's yeah. it, it makes home like I, I, I traveling for me is tough anyways with two kids. But I, I am in terms of events that I go to. The feeling I have of going home from the combine is up there. It rivals a, a lot. Like that's the, the but it's feel- a better time than the Senior Bowl, right? Like I have to imagine, like Senior Bowl, you well, have to be ready. Yeah, to get out se- of there. Senior Bowl is a shorter trip unless your team is coaching the game, and then it is a long week. Okay. So, but Senior Bowl, you're only usually there for a couple of days. Okay. So All combine right. is is a little longer. But so this year, three days for you. That'll three days, feel- be, they'll be long. It'll, it'll be not not too long. They'll be, I'll be ready to go. I do think, though, if you had, like, if you were able to measure the speed of my walks from the convention center to our hotel, the final walk is probably, like, by far the fastest. Oh, yeah, because you're trying to map it out because usually almost always you're leaving the afternoon and you're trying to avoid how much time am I going to be driving where it is super dark and I'm going to be getting tired. Yeah, or and you want to make sure you avoid Columbus. Correct. Yeah. yeah. At, a, at an inopportune yeah time. so it's it's, it's leaving it's, number one thing <laughs> leaving the combine for trips no, it's it. always an event i look forward to sure but at the end you're ready to move on to the next yeah. step yeah. like you, you again i i know many people every year at the combine they don't extend their trip they often cut it short yes because everyone yes everyone everyone seems to overestimate how long they need to Gibbe, be there. i wish you were here to, to speak on this is typically the only person i know who all stays like a day after everybody else yeah, it's it's. it's, like, it's I'll just I'll stay till Saturday. Okay, all right. Not me. It's Not it's me. Uh, when I covered it from a college angle, I had to do that because I had to be there when I was covering Alabama. 
Alabama, the last stage is almost always defensive backs. Well, guess what? Alabama's got a lot of defensive lot backs of that go to the NFL. Yeah. So I was always there for closing time. And that's that, that's that's that's, that's when going home was really good. Yeah. Like that that's the after you do five or six days yeah. in Indy, and then back then I was flying back. That makes it even. I think that's t- that's worse than driving back. That's a, yeah, that is tough. I'd also it was a bonus one. I would give a spotting Jerry Jones's bus is always a fun. That's always yeah. That's that's good. I mean, it, it's a, it's one of my favorite events because like you said, like you see everyone. Oh, like yeah. it's in terms Everybody. of people like. In the business that I've worked with, like just in different walks of life, like everybody, because usually I, I still have friends that cover colleges that go, and so it's like a mix of a mix of college people I know, pro people I know, like it's a good event. And then th- for this, I think there's going to be a different feeling from a football standpoint because they got to live without one last year, and I think there's an excitement that this is like a return to the normal. This is what all these guys have been conditioned to do for totally. 20, 30 years. I think there's going to be excitement about it, and maybe there's a new approach that they'll be taking after the year away from it, kind of stepping back. I don't like the primetime workouts because you don't get as much of a good scene at night in terms of the coaches Mm -hmm. and stuff being out. But other than that, all right, last one, bonus question. Combine, they said Indy. I think maybe they said Dallas or L.A. is in uh, in the future and the horizon. What I'd love to just stay in Indy. Like I, I, think I think that perfect. seems to be town. the feeling for most people around. It's just it, to me, it's going to come down to logistics because yeah. Indianapolis is built perfect to do this because yes. it's all condensed, and it's almost like maybe they're going to have to experience it somewhere else to then realize how good we had a pretty good Indy is is with this yeah. thing. I think that's it's almost like a city was built like. I could think. I don't know the logistics of Nashville, but maybe Nashville, like maybe like a city like that could work. But I haven't spent enough time in Dallas or LA, but I know those cities are pretty spread out. Like that's and that that could be a tough thing. Right from the convention center, I grab a little sushi for lunch. You can hit up Elmo's. You can hit your hotel. You don't even need to bird. You can walk everywhere you want to go there in the town. All right, that will do it for us here. Our combine preview edition. Big thanks to Scott Peters, Brown assistant offensive line coach, for joining us. Of course, the great Jeff McDaniel making this all come together and work. And for Gibbe, enjoying his vacation in the Florida sun, no doubt. For Surrounder Gribble, Nathan Zagura saying thank you for listening to the best podcast available presented by Cross Country Mortgage.